In this Jimmy Dean Keene installment, Caroline returns home with her book, goes about getting ready, sits down, opens it up, starts to read, She chooses the price of experience first. She's reading about a very odd outcast boy named Joe Gamsky. His lifetimes and experience at the elite Harvard Preparatory School in Los Angeles. The first thing that hit you about Joe was that he was very smart and very hardworking. But there was also this other quality, which is hard to describe, except as a combination of smugness and defiance. Like he was there to make sure all of us remembered his name. Where he encountered a host of other, mostly very wealthy characters, and some that were perhaps not as high on the financial horse but who had certain social and personal edges over him nonetheless, such as Dean Carney. Carney was bright, but only a B student, a scrawny kid whose greatest athletic feat had been making the Harvard Junior Varsity in tennis. Yet Carney seemed to have been admitted to a department of the Harvard School from which the Gamskys were permanently excluded. One of the school's best-dressed students... Dean was not merely a member of the monogram masses, but a boy who had traded in his tennis shoes for topsiders with a sense of timing so impeccable that it was impossible to tell whether he was following the trend or setting it. <laughs> she reads about a hundred pages of the book, covering Joe and Dean's high school experience, their early friendship, Joe's turn in Chicago, doing his first financial fraud, and the beginning of Billionaire Boys Club, including the genesis of Paradox Philosophy, Joe's justification of lying, cheating, and fucking other people over. She gets a sense of Dean, his background, his style and aesthetic, and his character as a person. When she hears the man himself arriving at her back door, entering into her kitchen, Hey, babe. She closes the book, slides it under her bed. Hey, babe. He joins her in the bedroom, sees her sitting there with an open notebook. Hey, hard at work? She closes the notebook, puts it on her bedside table. Yeah, like always, I could be working harder, but... She tosses her pen on top of it. I kind of just do enough to get me by. <laughs> Jimmy walks up to the edge of the bed, drops himself down onto it, flops backwards beside her, Looking up, flirtatiously. Yeah, well, that's what you got me for. <laughs> what? Yeah, he looks a bit self-assured, pleased with himself. I'm not making bad money. 
I'm planning to keep it up, diversify my skill set a bit, climb the ladder some. I'll be making even more. Okay, well, Caroline doesn't really know what this has to do with her. And that's apparently visible on her face because Jimmy adds, that's what a boyfriend is supposed to do, right? Take care of you. <laughs> I guess. Well, to me it is. I'm supposed to provide. All right. Well, maybe where you come from. <sighs> where I'm from, it's kind of like a mutual thing. You know, you take care of yourself and you pull your resource. It's a team effort, you know? <laughs> Jimmy seems to think this is cute and funny. All right, well, I'm not telling you you can't have a job. I think it's good that everybody do work. Keep yourself busy. I think when people don't have enough to do, they get bored, then they get up to shit. And that's when you start having problems of one type or another. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. And yeah, I do like having something to do. All right, yeah. She gets out of bed, goes to the kitchen to refill her glass of water, returns with it, offers it to him. He sits up, takes a drink out of it, watching her. So how was your day at work? It was all right. I was able to ascertain a handful of things were real and a couple of things were fake. Help the owner figure out how much to sell all of it for. So, you know, it's another day. So what did you do since you got back home? You know, just the usual. Nothing too important. Mostly just waiting for you to get back. She reaches into the folds of her housecoat. Tugs off her sweatpants. Then opens up the housecoat to reveal that she is wearing some vintage silk lingerie. The teddy she'd been talking about. Oh, it's got the little thin straps over her shoulders. It's cut high on the leg, all in black, lined with black lace around the edges. Jimmy takes a look at this appreciatively, top to bottom, then back up again. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Good. I thought you would. He sits on the edge of the bed with his feet on the floor, watching her with anticipation. She comes closer to him, stands between his knees, with her face near to his, the tips of their noses almost touching, starts to unbutton his shirt. He slides his suit coat off, his eyes almost closed. She can see just a little sliver of that pale greenish-blue of his irises. He lets her unbutton him. She's thinking about Dean with his collection of French shirts that he'd favored the spread collar. So then he's sitting there in his sleeveless vest-style wife-beater undershirt, jeans, which she thinks Dean probably would have never, but... New Orleans is a bit more casual than Beverly Hills. She unbuttons his jeans and he 
pops his shoes off, tugs the trousers the rest of the way down. She helps get them off of him. So, did you want a lap dance? Yes. He pushes himself backwards onto the bed a bit. She climbs up onto his lap. I ain't really a stripper, so you can touch me. All right. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping. <laughs> so he does. It's playful, assertive, not at all shy or reticent. Grabbing at her thighs a little bit, squeezing her butt. But he's not pushy or aggressive or domineering. She thinks of him as the boy and young man, described even by people who didn't really like him, as incredibly charming, personable, easy to talk to, nymph-like, with such a sweet personality, just a likable, even lovable guy. Someone who enjoyed pleasing other people and largely deferred to those who were most important to him. Particularly women, going all the way back to his mother. And she can still see that man in his mostly closed eyes, blissfully happy smile, the gentle touch of his hands. She thinks about how he was described as looking incredible in drag, which she can't really picture now. He's got a much more rugged body type, but that doesn't really matter. She can still imagine how it once was. Does that little wiggle that he likes when they're engaged in intercourse? Oh. <laughs> he still appreciates it through a few thin layers of fabric. Starts to slide one of the straps of the lingerie down off her shoulder. You know, you can do that, but it's got snaps at the bottom. Oh, really? Yeah. You want to take it off me? He keeps both hands under her ass to steady her. Turns both of them around to lay her down on the bed. Firmly but gently, he doesn't just throw her. Takes a minute to enjoy looking at her. Then he unsnaps her little garment. Delight and utmost appreciation evident in his expression as he undresses her from the bottom up. Oh, wow. <laughs> Come on, you gotta get on my level. <laughs> I don't even know if I can. But he removes his boxer briefs and after a little bit of further goings on, she finds herself physically beneath him, one of his hands gripping the bed next to her face, the other in between their bodies. One of her hands is in his hair, and the other petting his chest, stroking his arms. Her lower legs are crossed over his back, drawing him in close so he doesn't pull too far away. And his expression, looking down at her, is just purely besotted, completely enraptured. And she thinks that despite all the bluster that he puts on, he's not too different from what she sees as that sweet young man who just wanted to make other people feel good 
and belong to something greater than himself. Later, they're hanging out in bed, Caroline sitting on her heels, Jimmy flat out on his back with an arm behind his head, smiling with utmost satisfaction. Indeed, looking a bit smug, but it doesn't bother Caroline at all. He's got a right to it. She looks him over. He notices. She thinks maybe that plays into the smug smile a little bit. And she thinks he has a right to that, too. She thinks about the poem Dean had written in his yearbook about being small and skinny, but still trying very hard. So she decides to tell him something that is designed to boost his ego, but is also completely true. You know, in addition to being the best I ever had, you're the biggest and strongest man I've ever been with, too. <sighs> really? Yeah, usually I like him kind of wispy. <sighs> yeah, this works. His ego is boosted. Well, I put a lot of work into this. He gestures at his own body. She doesn't tell him exactly how she knows this, but she says something else that is also completely true. I can tell. Jimmy Keene was an elite athlete, so I had a lot of catching up to do. <sighs> Big Jim was force-feeding me red meat, protein shakes, shit for like six months. Forcing me to run drills and doing exercises that actually ended up serving me pretty well in prison. <laughs> like a yard workout? Yeah. She remembers reading that Dean had a nervous stomach, found it difficult to eat, which was part of the reason why he could never seem to put any weight on, that he was mildly anemic, a bit wan, generally unsuited for vigorous physical activity. She looks at him now, and he certainly doesn't look wan or anemic or unsuited to vigorous physical activity, and she can attest to that. Nonetheless, he says, and honestly, when it was all said and done, I still don't think I completely measured up to the real guy. <laughs> no. Cole says when y'all first met, your arms were like the size of my thighs. <sighs> he grabs one of her thighs as if measuring it. Yeah, I mean, if not exactly the same, then not too far off. <laughs> of course I lost a little bit of that since then he pats his own stomach which is not a jacked washboard but hardly shabby well good honestly I might have been a little intimidated <sighs> no need to be I would never hurt you oh I know I'm just saying I would still like you even if you were a little bit wispy. Which, in case you're wondering, you ain't. <sighs> Mr. Whispers. 
Yes. He looks mildly stricken for a moment. I'm not too wispy to cause problems. She thinks she knows what he's thinking about. He goes on to prove her correct. I'm sorry I got a little strong. Um, and I broke that condom. You're all right, right? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm not stressing about it. Okay, good. I'll try not to either. I know you're real responsible. I'm not worried we're going to have a surprise baby. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I can get me on some birth control if you want. Oh, yeah? yeah? That might not be a bad idea. He looks at her helplessly, smiles. It would probably be better for <laughs> a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, you got no argument for me there. You have a doctor? Because you can go to mine. I think somebody at the practice can prescribe stuff like that. I, I don't really know. Well, that's okay. I have one. A doctor who can definitely prescribe stuff like that. You know, because I got to go for them annual exam and all. Yeah. I know all about that. <laughs> and it's real easy. I can just walk in. Don't even need to make an appointment. Matter of fact, I can go as soon as tomorrow. Okay, yeah. She looks a bit hesitant. Would you be willing to go with me? You can wait in the waiting room. Ain't gotta watch them put me in the stirrups and all that. <sighs> yeah, I can do that. I was just gonna putter around the house tomorrow anyway, do a couple things that need to be done, and I can do that any time. He looks at her sympathetically, gently rubs her thigh. Going to the doctor make you nervous? Yeah, this doctor. I don't like it. It's clear from his face that he feels for this, even though he doesn't entirely know why. And she knows it will be much more than he could even expect. But, he says, Don't worry about it. I'll be right there with you. Maybe not when you're in the stirrups. Just because that would be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> you, me, and the doctor. He grins. Just full of dry humor. I mean, it's either that or I invest in some stock options with Thurex and Trojan. <laughs> what about Magnum? They make ice cream, too. Yeah, the trifecta. <laughs> ice cream and condoms, that sounds like an evening. <laughs> he thinks about it, scratching behind his ear. Actually, maybe we should do that this evening. <laughs> Okay, well, you better buy that stock first. And we can get a leg up. I'll have to buy the stock for you. Because I don't think I'm actually allowed to buy stock still. Oh, no! But I don't know. Maybe because I got a different name. It, like, reset the clock. I don't know. I would add it to Jim's portfolio, but... 
might be a little bit awkward. Huh. I mean, if he paid attention to what I... He probably doesn't. Something occurs to Jimmy. So when were you and Cole talking about my biceps? <laughs> Yesterday when you were mowing the lawn. I went in there to do that laundry and he was in there hanging out and we made coffee and watching you. <sighs> yeah, that makes me feel pretty good. <sighs> my two best people talking about my, uh... He flexes his arm and puts his hand on it. Strengths. <laughs> oh yeah, we talked about that for sure. <laughs> Something else occurs to him. He's clearly picturing the two of them comparing notes on his sexual performance. <laughs> and she watches him diving headfirst through a series of emotions from shock, mild horror, slight discomfort, and then arriving at some kind of perverse pride. She decides not to tell him they didn't actually talk about his dick. Yeah, we like you. <sighs> yeah, I was starting to think maybe you did. 